got to sit back there with Ross. There's a lot of sound comes out of that little old thing over there. And then got to the quiet part and he went. Yeah, I decided not to. They've got a wood block and I've been threatening to play the wood block with them, you know, just stand back there and crank that wood block. But I'm afraid it would draw more attention to me and the stupidity of the way it sounded than towards Jesus, and so I have held off on the wood block. But I may, yeah, I may play the cowbell one day because I think we need a little more cowbell. All right, we are in the. I've been reading in our 40-day reading going to uh, during Lent. Uh, we've been in chapter five of Matthew. And uh, we've kind of gone on out of the Beatitudes, but I've kind of stayed there. I, I really had in my heart uh, to be preaching in Mark uh, during this time leading up to Resurrection Sunday, but I got stuck here in the Beatitudes, and uh, I think that's all right, but uh, that's where we're going to be. I forgot that today this, the kids come up, so we're going to have the kids come up for just a minute and have you all sit right here and I'm going to talk to you for just a second. So this is the part of the service that could go either way quickly. Just have a seat guys. Isn't this a good looking bunch? Wow, look at all these kids. Johnny, do you not have any shoes? We're going to see if we can get you some shoes. There's a bunch of you kids don't have shoes. We need to have a shoe collection. He forgot his in the classroom. All right. All right. All right. I need one person to help me. Ivan, would you help me? Okay. Come here, Ivan. Come here. Ivan is... How many of you... Did you guys see Ivan... Uh, at uh, Revival, do his scripture. He did the, Psalm, the 23rd Psalms. You did a great job, Ivan. I thought you did a wonderful job. Ivan is my good friend. And so, Ivan, I have something for you to do for me. If, okay. if I ask you to do, we're friends, aren't we? Yeah. Would you do something for me if I ask you to? Yeah. Okay, I want you to go up to Springfield. And at Lowe's up there, they have a lawnmower that I want. And I want you to go buy it. And bring it back here to me, okay? Okay. Can you do that? Yes. How are you going to do that? I guess my dad can. No, you can't. You can't. You can't. You can't have any help. You have to do it yourself. Okay. How are you going to do it? How much is it? Well, it's it's about it's about three thousand dollars. But you could pay, you could pay for that, couldn't you? I don't even have that much. You don't? But but you you would I thought we were friends. We are. But but I want you to go can you can you drive up there? I don't have my driver's license. Well why not? <laughs> so so what you're telling me is, Ivan, that you really can't do what I've asked you to do, can you? Why don't you do it? Because I'm asking my friend. Can can you do it by yourself, Ivan? All right, okay. He, he can't... Uh, listen, okay, you can sit down. Ivan is my friend, and he wants to do what I've asked him to do, 
But he can't do it by himself, can he? Because number one, he, he made it very clear he doesn't have his driver's license, do you? Next week, he'll go get his driver's license. No, no, he's got to be older, doesn't he? He doesn't have the money you need for it, do you? No, he doesn't have the money. He doesn't, he can't drive, he probably can't even reach the pedals on the, on the vehicle if he had a vehicle. So, he, he doesn't have a, he doesn't have a truck to go get it in. He doesn't have the money to go do it. He doesn't have a license if he wanted to. He, he can't steal it. Okay, we're getting, okay, we're getting way off. We're going down a path we don't want to go to. I've had, he could steal a license. He could steal a lawnmower. No, we don't steal. Okay, listen, listen. See, I've asked him to do something that Ivan thinks he can't do. And he's true. It's true. He cannot do it by himself. So if Ivan's going to do this, what's he going to have to do? He's going to have to ask me who's asked him to do that he's going to ask me for the money for the way to get up there and for help to do it he's going to have to come to the place where he says i can't do this somebody's going to have to help me and in the word god tells us to be a certain way okay now the word tells us several different things one of the things it tells us is to love one another how many of you have a brother or sister yeah is it Kobe is it sometimes hard to love your sister yeah hey is it sometimes hard to love your brother yeah it's really hard do you ever get mad at him are you mad at him this morning no not this morning but but, huh he wasn't there okay is anybody mad at your brother and sister this morning yeah okay I see those hands we're gonna have a time of prayer here right afterwards but sometimes, sometimes it's, do you know that Jesus tells us to love one another? How many of you, how many of you obey your parents all the time? I got, I got one of these. Sometimes, sometimes. Do you know that Jesus tells us to obey our parents? The word tells us to obey our parents. Sometimes that's hard, isn't it? And so, shh, it's sort of like me asking Ivan to go get my lawnmower. I ask him to do it and he wants to do it, but he thinks, I don't think I can do this. It's hard to love our brothers and sisters sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to obey our parents because we want to do our own thing. And so God asked us to do something and we're like, that seems really hard. I don't see how I can do that. But you know what? God never asks us to do anything that he will not provide for us what we need to do it. Okay, so let's say I was really asking Ivan to go get my lawnmower for me. If I really was asking him to do that, I would provide him with a ride up there. I would provide him with the money. I would provide him with a pickup. I would provide him all he needed to go get my lawnmower and he could go up there and get it for me. And God doesn't ask you to love your brother and sister without providing you with what you need to do it. He doesn't ask you to obey your parents without giving you what you need to obey him. And God never asks any of us to be anything in his word that he won't allow us or won't help us to be. Isn't that awful nice of him? Okay, think about that and remember that, okay? God will never ask us anything to do, will never ask us to do anything that he won't help us do, okay? All right, let me pray for you and I'm gonna let you go. Father, we love you. 
We thank you for our friends. Thank you for each one of these kids. Thank you for their love for you. And Father, I pray today over their lives. I pray that they would hear your voice. Father, I pray for their parents. I pray that their parents would continually guide their kids in the light of your word, that they would too, they too would hear your voice and that they would uh, help their kids to know you and to hear you. Father, I pray that each one of these kids would come early in life to know you and follow you all the days of their life. Help us as a church to help them do that. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks, kids. So as I've been reading, I kind of got stuck here in chapter 5. That's my grandson. I can do whatever I want to. All right. I got stuck here in chapter 5 in the Beatitudes. And uh, Cindy was asking me last night, she was going to put it on the Facebook, what my sermon title was. And I put in there the B and put parentheses around or quotation marks or whatever around the B and then attitudes. These are the attitudes that we are supposed to have. It's not just an attitude we're supposed to have. We are to be this. These are the B attitudes that a Christian is supposed to have. So let's all stand and honor God's word. We're going to read these first 12 verses of chapter 5. And Jesus is giving this sermon. And I think by the time we get done, you're going to be like, just like Ivan was. I can't do this. I can't do this. And you're right. And so we're going to listen to what Jesus says about this. Let's read this first together out loud. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. We're going to begin reading chapter 5, verse 1. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, this is wonderful right here. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Lord, Father, come, speak to our hearts today. Show us this place where we enter into these places of blessing with you. And Father, I pray that you would make it very real to us today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This, the word here, if you, if you look in the Amplified Bible, and I've preached this before, but it talks about the word blessed or blessed literally means to be envied. 
If someone was to look at your life, it says that if you are here in this place, that people would look at you and envy you uh, because you're there. They wish that they were in the same place. It says to be envied, spiritually prosperous, having God's favor, regardless of the outward appearance. It's saying no matter what it looks like, you are in a blessed place if this is where you are. If you're here, it's saying that people ought to envy you for being there because you're in a great place no matter what it looks like. And so have that in your mind. This man is blessed who is these things who blessed are or this I, I want this morning I want us to just kind of put in there the word be the people who be like and that's probably not right language but uh, I want us to think that you are blessed when you be like this when this is your attitude and so Jesus gives us some things that we are blessed when we be like this we are blessed when we be meek and I know that sounds wrong but but think about this I want you to get that in your mind it's not it's not acting meek it's not pretending like we're meek it's being it's it's when we're this way and so when we be meek these are the things that happen uh Jaron Rowell is a is a writer in the Nazarene church and he says meekness is an attitude and not a condition Meekness is someone who is open, teachable, not defensive, under control, not having to defend themselves. And so the word says here that we're blessed when we are meek, when we are teachable, when we are not defensive, when we are under control. And that's hard for us, isn't it? It's hard to be meek. Uh, when we, 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 always, we always want to defend ourselves. When we have, if you're ever around kids, and we learn it really, we learn it really very young. Uh, and, and Cindy talks about it all the time. If you have, and we have it like on, on uh, discipleship day, you have all these boys in here and they've just got out of school. And so they're all wound up anyway. And then Cindy feeds them sugary snacks and that kind of calms them. No, that just winds them up some more. And then we set them down and try to talk to them about God for just a minute. Well, they're going to, it takes them a while to kind of calm down and usually they're talking a little bit and so you might call one of them out and say you know hey hey billy you know you need to be quiet and i've and i've changed all the names to protect the innocent so so hey johnny i mean billy uh you need to be you need to be quiet and and billy will say kobe i mean fred uh uh fred's talking too immediately they defend themselves now, was, was Billy talking? Yes. But he immediately, if you get on to him, he's, oh, what, what about Fred? What about Fred? And he goes, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, sometimes you just can't catch everybody. And so they, I mean, immediately we, we're defensive. We defend ourselves. And, and, you know, and that's just the way we are. And so it, it, meekness is, we feel, we haven't got this need to feel like we have to defend ourselves all the time and we are at this place where we can be taught okay and so the word says that we're blessed when we're there when we're under control when we don't feel the need to have to defend ourselves or defend our rights and we always feel like we have to defend our rights but jesus says we're blessed when we feel like i don't have to protect myself i'll just let god take control of it and naturally we are not in that place Naturally, we immediately want to defend ourselves and we immediately want to fire back. And so he says that you're blessed when you're this place. The next thing he talks about, he says, you're blessed if you're hungry for righteousness. 
Now, most of us are hungry for something, but usually it's not the things of God. It's the things that we want. We're hungry for the things that we want and the things that we like and the things that are, that are, are good for us, but usually it's not righteousness. And the truth is we work harder to fill our hunger for the things of this world than we do to fill our hunger for the things of God's, uh, that God has for us. And, and you see that something has to change in us so that we can hunger for God's things instead of the things of the world. And we look at ourselves and the word says, I need to hunger for righteousness. But in our hearts, we know that I, I hunger for the things of this world. And so we know in my mind, I said, something's got to change because this is not who I am. And we have to admit that I'm not this way. I'm not what I see here in these first two verses. And it goes, it keeps going. And I just use the first two because I'm going to tell you, the the first two are, are hard ones. It's hard to be meek. It's hard to be hungry for the, for the things of God when, when I live in a world where I, I see things and I want things and I, wanna, I want things for myself and I want things for my family and it's hard for me to hunger after God's things when there's so many things around me. And so we see these things and this is a temptation for all of us and then he just keeps on going. He says, you're blessed when you're merciful. Well, we don't have a whole lot of mercy in the world we live in. We're blessed when we're pure in heart. We're blessed when we're peacemakers. We're we're, uh, to be joyful when we're persecuted. Well, it's hard to be joyful when someone's persecuting you. And we look at ourselves and we look at these verses. And if we're really honest, we have to say, "I'm, I'm not like that in all of these areas. And the truth is, before we were saved, we probably weren't like any of these things. And, and, and the truth is we can act like we're this way and we and there's times when we act merciful when we when we act like we're peacemakers when we act like we're hungry for God but he doesn't tell us to act he says we are to be this is to be our attitude this is what this something has to happen in me and Jesus says and tells us that this should be our attitude that we should be merciful that we should be pure of heart not act this way but should be this way we should be joyful when we're persecuted we should be hungering after righteousness and this should be my attitude but usually if we're honest we'd have to say this is not that's not normally the way that I am and we know this is what we have to be and it's just like me asking Ivan God says this is what you need to be and we look at him and go I can't do it I can't, I can't, that's not the way I am. And it's almost like he's asking more than we can possibly do. And he is, and this is where we are. And so we ask him how that's the way I come to the word. Lots of times God will come and convict me and I'll say, how, how do I do this? When I see what you write and I see what you want me to be and I see what you ask me to be as a husband and I see what you ask me to be as a father and what you ask me to be as a pastor and what you ask me to be as a Christian and if I just go down through these verses just listening to the few things here there's only 12 verses here and he asks things that are so hard that I'm like how how can I do that because I know me and I know I want to defend myself. And I know me, and I know that that there is a pull, a strong pull for me to hunger after the things of this world. And I know this, and I just asked the question to him, how? And he starts off, and our dear Lord is so good, 
he starts off, the first thing he starts off with is the answer. The answer is in the very first verse that he starts off with. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's the entrance. If I can start here, if I can start at this place where I'm poor in spirit, the rest of these things will happen. But I must enter through the first place that he tells me to go here. And here's the deal. Nobody wants to be poor. If you ask people if they want to be poor, nobody says yes. If, you had, if I ask all these little kids up here this morning, how many of you, when you grow up, would like to be poor? Nobody's going to raise their hand. Nobody wants to. If I ask you this morning, how many of you would really aspire to be poor? Nobody wants to raise their hand to that. And yet that's the first thing that God asks us to be. He doesn't ask us to be poor material-wise, but he does ask us to have to be poor in spirit. No rich person wants to be poor. No poor person wants to be poor. Nobody wants to be poor. But this is an attitude, and poor is always used to describe someone who is in want and who is in need. People who are poor are in want of something. They're running low on something. They don't have something that they need. And if you ask a truly poor person what they need, usually, I'm going to tell you, I I am over at the office, and people come in, and we have poor people come in all the time, and they ask for food, and they ask for gas, and they ask for a place to live, like a motel room or something like that. And that's what they ask for. Very seldom does it get outside of that. You know, sometimes you'll get, sometimes you get some weird things, but most of the time it's food, gas, and a place to stay. It's things that we need. It's basic needs, okay? If I ask a rich person what they need, they might say, oh, you know, I could use another car. Well, they don't need another car. They've already got a car, but they might want another car. And when we're rich, we don't think about the things that we need. We think about the things that we want, A truly poor person is interested in the things that they need. And God says that we are are to get to the place spiritually that we ask for and want the things that we need instead of wanting the things that we want. Does that make any sense? Uh, most Most poor people ask for basic needs. And we are blessed, and it says we are truly blessed when we realize our need for God. That's what it's saying here. We're really blessed when we really realize that I can't be the rest of these things that you've talked about here without you. I've got to have God. And we are blessed when we realize our need for God, when we realize how dependent we are on him. And we are totally dependent on God. And I'm telling you, it's hard to get to a place in the world we live in, in the society we live in, when we are totally dependent on God. If we need money, I got a job. I don't have to rely on God, I got a job. If we need uh, companionship, I got all kinds of friends. I have real friends, and then I got all my Facebook followers or tweeters or whatever. I got, I got all the companionship I need. If I need health care, I got it. And what I don't have, the government will provide for me. That's where we live. Do you understand? Uh, and, and, and 
uh, Cindy talks a lot about when we went to Africa. When we went to Africa, we saw people who were truly poor in spirit. Now, they didn't, when, we had, when they had church at Africa, uh, we have, like, say, it started at 9 o'clock. They didn't roll in at 9 o'clock or 9.15. There were people there an hour before church started on their knees in the dirt praying and crying out to God, in, poor in spirit. They were poor and, and they, didn't, they didn't have money and they didn't have health care and they didn't have water and, and they were asking God for all those things. They were poor and they were the most worshipful people I've ever seen in my life because they were in this poor in spirit and they were totally dependent upon God and they were blessed and I'm going to tell you, me and Cindy sat there and watched those folks worship. And I tell you what, when the word says that you envy them, I envied them. They were poor as could be, and I envied them because of the relationship they had with the Lord. It was astounding to watch them. And I'm serious. I, and I am working and trying to seek to get to that place to where I am as poor in spirit as they were. Uh, we, we, he calls us to come to this place fully dependent on him. And I'm going to tell you, in the society we live in, it's hard to do that. Coming to God empty-handed and fully dependent. Uh, all of us have to come to him that way. And, and this time of this days before Lent, I mean days before Resurrection Sunday, Lent is decided and is, is, is put together and meant to remind us of our total dependence upon God. We've got a, a few of our, uh, we got, I got three little sixth grade, sixth grade boys that have given up uh, sugar and soda, I think, and snacks and things like that for Lent. First time they've ever done it. And I, and I asked him, I said, now are you, are you praying? And I said, ever, I said, I said, does it work on you? Are you, I was asking him about it. I was asking I was asking your boys, and I said, Are you, is, is it working on you? And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I think about it a lot. I think about, you know, I want, I want those things in my body. And I said, now, are you praying during those times? Uh, no. And I said, well, that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to remind you of your need for God, and you're supposed to be praying. Oh, well, okay, okay, I'm going, I'm going to, you know, and it's the first time they've ever done it, so they're learning, and I'm, I'm so proud of them. And this time of, of depriving ourselves is to push us to that place where we can, can uh, bigger, uh, more feel our need, where we need to feel our need for him. I remember uh, when, 9/11, when the attack on 9-11 happened. All of a sudden, our country decided they needed God. They said churches around the United States were filled for like three or four Sundays in a row. Right after 9-11, after the bombing in New York City, everybody was thinking about, you know what, life is pretty fragile and, and I'm really not in control. And, 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 and our country was, was spiritually poor for, for, for a few weeks. And then after things kind of got back to normal, we just, everybody kind of went back to the way things were. But sometimes there's things in life that shake us and remind us that, that, that I am poor and that I, that I do need God. And God says, Jesus says, you're blessed 
when you become truly aware of your need for me and you operate out of that, and as Jesus starts into the rest of these things that he asks us to be, he is showing us the door or the entrance into this blessed life. And it's the realization of our utter spiritual poverty that is the door into the rest of these things becoming the way we become. Oswald Chambers writes this. I want to quote him. He says, The bedrock of Jesus Christ's kingdom is poverty, not possession. It's not decisions for Jesus Christ, but a sense of absolute futility. I cannot begin to do it. Then, says Jesus, blessed are you. That is the entrance. And it takes us a long while to believe we are poor. The knowledge of our own poverty brings us to the moral frontier where Jesus Christ worked. What he's saying is this is the door. When I get to the place and realize that I cannot be these things by myself and I come to God and I say, God, I love you and I want to be these things, but I know me and I can't do it and I can't control these things and, and I can't control other things in my life and, and God, I don't know what to do and, and God just, God just, you do it. That's the door. And he says, well, we're glad you came. Come in. And when we get to that spot, then he, then he starts to do these things in our life. Then he starts to change me and makes me merciful. He starts to change me and, and makes me hunger and thirst for righteousness. I used to not have any hunger or thirst for righteousness. But when I came to the place and I, and I said, God, you're going to have to do this in my life. All of a sudden, I, I want to read his word and I want to pray and I, I want to know more about him. And I want to be the person he wants me to be. And he says, when I enter through this place where I am poor in spirit, then I can do those things for you. Then Jesus says, blessed are you. But the problem is we don't want to admit our dependency on God. I'll just do better. I'll just work harder. I'll just try more. I'll, I'll read another book and I'll do some self-help things and I'll just, I'll just act better. And instead of, inst- we say we'll do better instead of depending on God alone for that. The entrance into being these things is our attitude and knowing that we cannot do it without God and realizing that. And, it's an, and that's the entrance point. Have you ever had a car break down? Anybody ever had a car break down? I have a car, I've always had cars break down before. And sometimes I try to fix them. In my mind, I think I'm a mechanic. I think I'm a lot of things in my mind. Me and my wife have a saying, and we'll say the only, like right now I'm going through this phase, I think I'm a carpenter. And Cindy says, the only carpenter I am is in my mind. But in reality, I'm not. But in my mind, I think I can fix this. I can fix this. And I'll work and tinker and get on the YouTube and read and things like that. One time Lindsay's little red car it was overheating, and, and so I got on the YouTube, and it said, all you need to do is change out the thermostat. So I got a new thermostat, put it in there, and got it changed. Mm. It still was overheating. And I looked at it, and, and I looked underneath, and the water pump was way back up in there, and I was thinking, good night. How am I going to do this? I can't. And so 
she was dry. I don't know what happened, but it was a couple of days. And finally, we came to the point where we said, we can't fix this thing. We cannot fix this thing. We're going to have to take it to somebody and somebody else is going to have to fix this. We came to the reality that if that car was ever going to roll down the road again like it was supposed to, somebody else was going to have to do it. And we had to just give up all rights to it and say, here you go. Here's the little red bug. You know, the owner's manual says it's supposed to go 75 down the highway. It won't do it. It gets hot. It ain't working. Nothing's going right. It says you could go for miles and miles and you can make it to Stratford and it gets hot. And it is not doing what it says I can do. And, and the only way that I think that I'm ever going to get it to where it does what he says you can, it can do is if I completely just give up and let you fix it. And you know what happened? Took it over to Tim Jones. Three days later, came back. And it could do everything it was supposed to do. But you know what the entrance to that place of getting to, to do everything we were supposed to do? We're just stepping back and saying, I can't, I can't fix that. If you go out DD highway, it turns into a dirt road. And there's a little creek down there. And on the right side, about seven or eight years ago, uh, Donnie Crawford took me out there. And the Crawfords own that. And there's a little thin strip of woods through there that I take Roy, my dog, and we... I taught him how to uh, squirrel hunt in there. And it's a real neat little old spot. It's real thin woods, real good. You can walk through it. You can make you one real quick round, and there's always squirrels in there. And we call it the old garden spot. Joe has a word. That's Joe's word. But we call it the old garden spot because that's where all the squirrels are. And I started noticing I would take Roy out there two or three times a week. And I'd turn around, and on the way back, not too far down that road, right next to the road is a house and they had a fairly new SUV and this was back this would have been seven or eight years ago so that would have been 2010 2009 2010 and at the time it looked like a pretty new SUV parked there in their yard and it never moved it never moved and I started driving back and forth and and looking at that thing and and I've noticed that over the years that car has never moved it's been sitting there you know what I'm talking about do you know the people okay I don't know it's a pretty nice vehicle isn't it and it's never moved it's just dust all over it and it never that is it's a pretty nice vehicle James will tell you ask James you think I make these things up these are real life stories I would drive, that thing is a four-wheel drive vehicle meant to climb up hills and through mud and over rhinoceroses and things like that. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice rig. And it ain't doing nothing. It's sitting out there with weeds growing up around it. And you know why? The, the manual says that thing ought to be flying down the highway, carrying five or six people everywhere it goes, four-wheel drive, running through the creeks, and the snow comes on, it should go. And the manual says this is what it should be, but it ain't doing it. You know why? Because they won't tell... 
Because they, in their mind, they're thinking, I'll just fix this thing myself. There'll come a day when I, I, I'll fix this thing myself. I can, I can work harder. I can figure it out. I can fix this thing myself. And that thing is sitting there, and it is getting worse and worse. The tires are probably dry-routed on it now. The tire, at first, there was probably just one thing wrong with it. Now there's all kinds of things wrong. Probably a bunch of rats live inside of it and snakes and whatever, chickens. I don't know. But we think, I'll, get, I'll just get better. I'll just get better. I'll just try harder. And the truth is, they would have been better off nine years ago to take that to a mechanic and say, hey, I can't fix this thing. And he would have fixed it nine years ago and they could have drove it all the time. And you say, Pastor, what in the world's that got to do with me? There's things in our lives. There's habits. There's, there's, there's things going on in our own hearts that we know are not like what, it ta- what Jesus says we're supposed to be like. Uh, maybe an attitude that we have. Maybe, maybe there's a habit in our life or, or something that we know does not line up with this. And we just keep thinking, and the Lord keeps speaking, and we just keep thinking, I'll, I'll just work this out. I will get better. I'm going to get better at this. I'm going to do it myself. And the only thing that matters is it just, the only thing that happens is it just gets worse and worse. And it never gets fixed. And you all know how that is. And we'd be better off if we just came to God and said, I, I, I can't fix this. I can't be what you say here. You're, you're going to have to do this. God, I don't, I don't like people that well. God, I don't want to be merciful. God, I don't want to, I don't want to be taught. I don't want to be a, a peacemaker. I like stirring the pot. God, and it's not working for me. God, God, I, I, and I'm trying not to. And I, God, you're going to have to fix me. I want us to stand this morning. I've asked the praise team if they come. We're going to sing a song that we sang this morning. I want us to be real. I want you to be real honest this morning. I drive by that place every, most every day now, and I think, why don't they fix that thing? Why don't don't they just give up and let somebody fix that thing and be done with it? And maybe there's some of you this morning, you've got an attitude that you have had and you just cannot get through it or a habit or some, I don't know, I don't care. And in your life, if you just could get a picture of this, it's been there so long that there's weeds growed up over it and it's dusty and it's a mess. And you look at what God's word says and it says that that is not supposed to be like that. And this morning, you just need to walk down the altar and say, God, I, I can't fix this thing. And you pull the weeds back from it and say, I want it to be like you say here, 
but I can't do it. Could you, could you change this in me? And his word says, that is the entrance point for God to just come in and make it different. And he wants to do that in this morning. There may be some marriages or some relationships or something going on or, or, some, or something in your life where you just have just, you, you need to just, you have tried to fix it and tried to fix it. And you need to, this morning, say, God, you need to pull him out in the brush and say, I got this and I can't fix it. God, can you, can you, here you go. And Jesus himself says that is the entrance to where he can. But you got to start there. You don't start on the back end and work forward. You start on the front end and say, God, do it. The song this morning is, I need you. I need you. Some of you have something this morning where you just need to come to God and say, I need you. I went out to Tim Jones and I said, look, I got this car. I need you. And it was the opening of getting that dumb thing fixed. Some of you need to come to Jesus this morning and say, I need you. If you need to come and pray, come as we sing.